Hello, my magical friends. My name is Oyumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 70th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. Happy Friday! This is our second episode of this Creator Week, so let's get right to the topic. So today's a little bit of a unique story in terms of our Creator episode, as well as a different way to chat with our creators. So today we are talking about Magical Girl Defense Force. I have mentioned on the podcast previously when the Kickstarter was still going, and luckily they were able to meet their goal. So congratulations to them, of course. And yeah, I was really excited to talk to the people at Blue Turtle Comics about this project. So this one is a little different in that I was not really able to read a lot more than what was already available on the Kickstarter website, but I am definitely looking forward to seeing more about what will be coming soon. So, you know, when we first had scheduled the recording, we were talking about recording separately with a few people from the team. In the end, we only got to two people, but one of them you'll probably recognize from quite early on in the podcast on another creator episode. Rink, aka Kelly Bird, is the first person we'll hear from today. So she is the creator of Saffron Wave, the historical Magical Girl series. That comic is still, you know, going smoothly. So if you haven't read it in a while, you should definitely check it out. And then we talked to Skylar Ammons, who is the head of Blue Turtle Comics. And so we kind of get his more technical side of things and also the writing side. So Rink is a colorist on the series. So she has a bit of a different perspective from working on this project. And then, of course, Skylar is more behind the scenes with actually writing the story and so on. So it's really nice to hear more about, you know, these kind of projects where we're trying to actually, you know, get artists paid and everything and really see the benefits of a team effort. I think that we see that a lot. Of course, a lot of the creators who are independent are solo creators, but whenever there's a chance to work with other people, it always helps to lighten the load, of course. Yeah, I think that it is all in all a very interesting chat uh, both ways. And uh, just to make it clear, when I recorded with Kelly Bird, this was before the Kickstarter had finished up. And when I talked to Skylar, it was after the Kickstarter had finished up. So yeah, I think that's everything we have to talk about off the top here. So I hope you enjoy this chat with the creators of Magical Girl Defense Force. are here to talk about Magical Girl Defense Force. Can you please introduce yourself? Of course. Hello, everybody. My name is Rink. I also go by Calorie Bird online as my online handle. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am the colorist for this project. 
Yeah. So before we ask about that, can you tell us your history with Magical Girls? Sure. My first um, foray into Magical Girls happened way back in the late 90s, early 2000s with Sailor Moon. Um, quickly after that, I found titles like Hardcaptor Sakura and Tokyo Mew Mew, and that sealed the deal. And I've been very interested in Magical Girls ever since. Yeah, of course, you have been on the podcast before to talk about your own original story, Saffron Wave. But can you tell us about how you got into this project? Yes, um, I came across a post on Twitter, just, uh, you know, job application post, I guess, um, saying that they were looking for a colorist for this comic. And I sent them a direct message with some samples of my work based off of the comic that I've been doing in my own free time, Saffron Wave. And they ended up really liking my style and the way that they set up their pages and how I set up my pages actually ended up being pretty similar. We used the same art program, Clip Studio. And so they decided to go with me for the colorist for the project. Great. And do you remember about when you uh, were brought on? Yes, I was brought on, um, I believe, in early September of this year, 2021. So it's, it's only been a few months. Cool. So you're basically just working on the color. So uh, looking at the the Kickstarter as it is currently going, it, it will have finished by the time this episode comes out. But looking at the Kickstarter, did you do the coloring for the pages that we see on the page there? Yes, um, that was the first, I guess, deadline that I was given is they wanted to have a set number of pages ready for the Kickstarter as a way to, you know, entice people to pledge to the project so that they could see more and so I um, did I did all the coloring for the pages that are available to preview on the kickstarter as well cool yeah you know I was actually a little surprised to hear that you were on the project and uh, looking at the art I do feel like of course you have a very distinct style of your own in terms of illustration but it does feel like you know, working collaboratively that your coloring style is a little bit different for this project. Am I making a correct assumption? (laughs) Yeah, uh, like you said, I do have a very distinct style. Um, It's definitely noticeable, I think, when I'm a part of something just because of the way that I go about doing things. But I do think it lends itself well into the art for the comic. I think think it blends really well. Yeah, it looks um, pretty interesting so far. This, it's, it's always very important for a colorist to be able to work well with other styles easily. So, uh, yeah, it looks really great <laughs> so far. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, was this your first time working kind of collaboratively in this way on a bigger project with other people? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, my only other collaborative project that I would have worked on would be just working in zines and anthologies alongside other people. This is my first time working on a project like this in regards to being a member of a team versus an individual creating to the overall project. Hmm, interesting. So that means, I guess, in terms of your efforts here, so you only work on everything like after the story's finished and the art is finished. You just have to do the coloring, basically. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly it. So I'm actually getting to learn the story as I'm working on the pages, um, with the exception of the dialogue and everything that gets added in after I do my part. Um, but I get hmm. to find out what happens as I work on each page. So it's been a really interesting experience. Oh, interesting. Can you tell us more about that? 
the way that we have our workflow set up is they send me a batch of pages, usually five pages. Um, and then I go in and I add the colors and the rendering for everything. I add all the, like, all the shading and the highlights. The flat colors are done by a different um, member of the team. I, I don't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but I'm the one that goes in and adds, I guess, depth to the world with the, like, I add in the shadows and the highlights and I help flesh out uh, the depth in the backgrounds. And then I send them off to somebody else and then they add in all the final touches, like the dialogue and the speech bubbles. Hmm. I see. Very interesting. I guess so. sometimes things are a bit of a surprise for you as well then. <laughs> yeah. Every time I get a new batch of pages, it's really exciting because it's like, oh, what's going to happen next? I have no idea what's going to happen. This is so cool. Mm-hmm. So that's been an interesting aspect of this that I've come to really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really cool. Do you think that you will want to work more on stuff like this in the future, like in other collaborative efforts? Oh, definitely. It's really been... Like I said, it's a new experience for me, but it's been really fun. And I really would like to work on a project like this in the future where I am a little bit more involved, where I at least, you know, have some communication with the other team members. I don't really have any of that right now. Again, just because I was brought on after everything else was already set up. So I really would like to experience this like from the beginning. Hmm, That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty interesting. I'm seeing that the uh, flatter, at least for the first chapter, was a live gamer is the name that I, I'm seeing on the Kickstarter anyway. But <laughs> I, I believe that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going off the Kickstarter um, for a lot of this. again, just because I was brought on after everything had already been set up. Sure, sure. But yeah, I think that it's pretty interesting to see that difference. And also, you were on the podcast about a year ago, I want to say. So I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been quite a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long year as well. Yes, it has. So I know you're still working on Saffron Wave all the time, but do you feel like in terms of, uh, I guess, comparing those two projects, do you feel like there's a lot of other major differences aside from like the obvious difference of the story and stuff being yours? I'm going to go with yes. Um, there's a lot of things that just me as, you know, as an artist and you know, a writer, I would do differently. For my own personal projects, I have like a set number of pages that I try to stick to. So nothing gets like, too drawn out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And as far as I've seen with this one there, it's not even necessarily like a bad thing. It's just the chapter, at least so far that I've been working on are longer than what I'm used to working on for a given chapter. And there's um, little things like little tiny differences in like the art and like how some things are designed that I would have done differently if, you know, it was just, you know, solely my project to work on and do whatever I wanted to with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes sense. Overall, there really isn't a lot of differences aside from, again, the the obvious um, story being completely different from what I'm working on. Mm hmm. And um, looking so far, do you have a favorite character in this story? Uh, Yes, I actually really like Cutie Axolotl. Mm -hmm. I forget what her civilian name is, but she's definitely my favorite. She makes some really great expressions and she's she's a lot of fun. I really have been enjoying getting to work on pages with her. (laughs) Yeah, she is very cute. 
Yeah, and I think her her team is also very interesting to see in action, at least from what we have on the the Kickstarter. But yeah, she's definitely got very unique design also. <laughs> she really and, does. She's adorable. Yeah, she's quite cute. So yeah, I guess that's really everything I have to ask you about your part of the story. <laughs> but what do you think that people can look forward to as this project comes to fruition? I honestly think that they can look forward to a really interesting story. As far as I've seen the way that everything is being set up, it just it looks like it's going to be really interesting with how they're approaching Magical Girls as a whole in this series. Because um, there's a whole school that they go to. You know, as far as I know, they train to be Magical Girls at this school, but it's very organized and like military-like. So that's mm-hmm. a really interesting aspect. So I'm excited to see how that develops. And I think readers overall will be interested to see how this world is set up in general as well. Yeah, that sounds interesting. <laughs> so I guess it's also a bit of a surprise for you as well, till you get those pages. Yes, it is. <laughs> hmm. I like that aspect, actually, because it's kind of nice not knowing what happens and getting to see things develop, you know, page by page as I work on them. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great. Um, so before we let you go, I was wondering what other magical girl media you've been consuming in the last year. Um, I think it's mostly just been Sailor Moon, to be honest. Oh, I've been working through um the '90s anime in its entirety because they finally have the fifth season subbed. On Hulu, I believe they have the dub as well, but I don't like the dub as much as I like the subbed version. So -hmm. I've been watching that, and then I watched, of course, the Eternal movies when they came out over the summer. Hmm. That's pretty much been it for Magical Girl Media for me. I've been meaning to get back into watching um, Tropical Rouge Pretty Cure because I haven't watched that in a while, but I just haven't been able to make time for it. Well, it sounds like you've been very busy, so that makes sense. <laughs> yes, I have been very busy this year, which I'm, yeah. I'm thankful for, honestly, after all of 2020 and not really having anything to do. I'm very grateful to have things to fill up my free time now. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we'll leave you here. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry I wasn't able to give more information for this project. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Of course, the other people are going to be able to elaborate further than I can. So I'm sure they'll yeah. be able to entice people even more. Into <laughs> it. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's good to get you know the perspective of other parts of the team as well, because mm-hmm. everyone's perspective is a little different. Yeah, of course. <laughs> here to talk about Magical Girl Defense Force, which just finished up over on Kickstarter and was able to get fully funded. So congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. So can you please introduce yourself? Thank you. Hi, my name is uh, Skylar Ammons. I'm the uh, lead writer on Magical Girl Defense Force and also owner of the uh, personal comic imprint, Blue Turtle Comics. Uh, this is my uh, third comic project, and very excited that it's funded, and now for the hard part. 
Yes, of course. <laughs> this Kickstarter was for volume one specifically. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Great. Um, it was uh, kind of interesting with that because I thought I would be doing just single issue Kickstarters for the immediate future because it's probably the safest thing starting out. But a lot of the formatting of this book, and we can get into that later, kind of forced me to go all in as far as a full graphic novel over just releasing it in singles. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely ask about that in a minute. But first, Skylar, what is your history with the magical girl genre? Well, i am probably got the most basic answer, but, you know, back when you were a 90s kid, especially... In a place like Oklahoma, your options were super limited. So what you had on TV was what you had. And for a lot of people, my story is kind of the same. It was early 90s Sailor Moon on TV. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a interesting awakening for me in a sense. Because up until then, a lot of my shows that I liked were like Superman, Batman, Dragon Ball Z. So... When I first saw this, I was like, hmm. what the hell is this? And I thought, well, these girls are cute. Might as well watch it. You know, I was kind of at that age. And as I continued watching it, I just became enamored with it. Just the way it just told a different type of story with these, these girls and all these outfits. And not only them fighting evil, but also just their daily lives and their emotional uh, struggles along with the actual struggles of fighting interdimensional witches and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely a very compelling and fun series. And then after that, it was just a whole slew of different shows growing up. Mostly Western stuff, like uh, Winx Club, the uh, Western version of Tokyo Mew Mew, for better or for worse on that one. Mm -hmm. Witch on Disney XD. Just a whole lot of different shows. So I really just fell in love e even before I even knew what the term Magical Girl was. Like, until I was fully educated in how manga and anime kind of worked, essentially. Hmm. Sailor Moon was kind of just the baseline for a lot of my Magical Girl uh, experiences until I figured out it was a whole genre. <laughs> Sure, sure. That's definitely the case for a lot of people, I think. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that most magical girls that you enjoy kind of are for similar reasons as you enjoyed Sailor Moon? I would say, yeah. For the most part, there's not a lot of differentiation with magical girls and their aesthetics and just what they stand for until you get to the darker stuff that came in the 2000s. But in general, they all had that same feeling of they all cared about the emotional health of their characters and not just, oh, can they defeat this super powerful bad guy like other shows of the time. Hmm, hmm. And that was just something that stuck with me and something that really affected a lot of my writing where I wanted to balance out all these cool flashy fight scenes in my head with actual emotion and actual looks at their lives when they aren't like trying to swing a sword or throw a punch at some kind of monster <laughs> sure so tell me about how blue turtle comics got started 
Well, it started about late 2019. Hmm. It was uh, when I was finally kind of in a position where I could actually uh, work on a comic. I always wanted to, but I was always discouraged by the fact that I just my drawing skills weren't up to par for that kind of stuff. But at one point, someone just said, you know, it's never going to happen if you don't just figure out a way to make it work. So eventually I hooked up with an artist and I'm just thankful that just because of my graphic design background, I could fill in the blanks for every other step of the process money wise. And I ended up starting with my first comic, Suno Force, a bit of a manga styled superhero story. And then over the course of two, three years, slowly but surely started building momentum. And I've got three properties basically right now. Suno Force, which is a very uh, superhero with a mix of anime and manga aesthetics. The Owl, which is more of a very gritty pulpy 30s kind of taking root with my love of that genre and then finally magical girl defense force which uh kind of speaks for itself <laughs> yeah yeah so basically what is magical girl defense force about well it's kind of a mixture of a lot of concepts for me like a long time ago i was watching perhaps what I would consider a not-very-great Magical Girl series called Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka. Mm -hmm. It kind of fell into that trying to be like Madoka Magica, but going full edgelord about it over having a lot going for it. And while I ended up dropping it, there was an aspect of it that stuck with me, like, about just Magical Girls being this public common knowledge thing and actually working with the government in a certain sense and I'm like man this idea could be done way better <laughs> and I don't mean that in a egocentric way just more of I just kind of wish I could have that without all the nasty things going on in ma Magical Girl Spec Ops <laughs> mm -hmm. if you know anything about that series Yes, we did talk about it a few weeks ago. And yeah, we kind of had that same conclusion where it was like, there were a lot of really great ideas, but there were a lot of uh, setbacks as well about the series. Yeah. So I could definitely understand like trying to take some of those, the aspects that you like about the series and then kind of working with it. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, the funny thing was, there's that feeling of wanting to do Beck Ops's concept slightly less edgier end up becoming the glue of several ideas because I had a catalog of random magical girl concepts but I never went anywhere with them because I was like ah, there's always something missing about each of these ones and I can't really do a team because they're also insanely different like one's a goth girl the other one is a animal themed one another one is basically Shira, and I'm like what am I going to do with all these characters? And then that concept came to mind. And uh, with a little bit of memories of, of an old show I loved back in the day called Justice League Unlimited, that basically became the glue that pulled this crazy idea together. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
So, yeah, I definitely saw that with the story. Like on the Kickstarter page itself, we actually have quite a few pages we can see of uh, so far in terms of the story and like getting to see these different groups of girls that worked work in uh work together and then seeing what happens to those groups. So, yeah, I think it looks very very interesting so far, so I'm really excited about it. So, I know that of course working as a team you have different people on the staff uh, so can you tell us more about how you kind of put this team together and how that works well that was a bit of a year and a half in the making at the time at the very early concept of this idea it was going to be a webtoon and I was looking around for an artist and I put out an ad on a Facebook group page and eventually I ended up getting a response from an, a very lovely artist named Delays, who has just been a godsend, because uh, I will tell you right now, it's getting very difficult to find anime-styled uh, freelancers of her quality around those circles. So any uh, more anime-themed ideas I have in the future, I need to be a bit tactical with my options as far as artists. <laughs> hmm. Elaise has just been very lovely to work with. She has just a very unique style, and she's very open and communicative. And over the year, we started slowly but surely designing this as a webtoon, but for a lot of reasons, mostly financial reasons, those kind of fell through just because there was no way in my head I could build up enough buffer to start and then gamble on like a patreon or something to continue it that was going to be a bit of a disaster just from a few estimates i got from people hmm. webtoons are a very very fun and much faster and better medium than traditional web comics but it kind of falls apart when you have to pay someone else to do the art for you sure so after that and this is about the time my Kickstarter comics for, like, Sooner Force and the Owl were starting to get started and really pick up speed. And I'm like, okay, if I can't financially sit on these webtoons until we got enough, just reformat it into a comic and then take it to Kickstarter. So I thought, okay, that'd be a good idea. Unfortunately, I'll put it like this. Trying to convert webtoon formatted panels into a comic book is easier said than done. <laughs> and hmm. first I tried remaking them as traditional comic dimensions, but they just looked goofy and weird and would cost way too much in redraws to get made. But then I put them in through traditional manga dimensions and they became a lot more agreeable. And that was perhaps the biggest decision for why we went all or nothing on the Kickstarter, like as a full graphic novel, was because it would be weird to send a single issue of a 5 by 7 uh, book to people as just like a simple floppy comic. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So after that, it became apparent that we needed a beginning, middle, and end completely figured out for a full graphic novel, not just 
continue it as we go along. Like, I had an outline for how the story would progress, but I was doing the scripts bit by bit. But now, as it was, it needed to be a solid graphic novel, I realized I was going to need help getting this properly formatted and, more importantly, make sure I could tell what I needed to tell within a certain amount of pages. And that's where my editor, Laura Gao, came into the picture. She was a very awesome person to work with. She was very friendly, communicative, and she went through all of my scripts and basically was very blunt but kind to me about what needed to be changed, some things that need to be reworded, and perhaps more importantly, where I was wasting panel space, in a sense, and where I can trim down. Hmm. Before we went to Kickstarter, it was originally going to be a seven-chapter graphic novel, but after a bunch of rewrites, we were able to whittle it down to a five-chapter graphic novel. So that's kind of the power of a good editor right there. <laughs> sure, yeah. Editing is definitely a very important part of the process that people tend to forget about in the indie space. Yeah. And then, of course, we had to get a colorist. Like, originally, we were just going to have it as black and white, because, you know, if we're going full manga dimensions, let's, you know, go all in, screen tones and all that. But after a lot of probing and consulting other people, it was just basically said, you're going to have a bad time selling a whole graphic novel without color. That's just kind of the unfortunate truth of... uh comic making is there is an expectation of full color hmm. actual manga is the only medium that gets away with that hmm. so i decided like usually i color my own comics and i take a lot of pride in that but between the scope of this and also all of the very very many behind the scenes jobs that an indie comics person has to be doing besides the actual art I needed to get someone else to handle the colors. And so it became a nice little tag team of two very lovely people. Uh, a mutual uh, friend of mine that I know on a Discord named Alive Gamer. She's a very uh, lovely woman who streams and does commissioned work, who was looking for some flatting work, who took care of the flats. And then Kellery Bird, who basically uh, handled the major heavy-duty uh, rendering of the comic, shading, lighting, all that good stuff. And they've been a very awesome pair to work with. And I'm very excited to continue with them since we have a lot, lot more to color now that we're funded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I mean, so far it looks really great from what we were able to see like on the Kickstarter itself. So, of course, this is going to be just volume one. Can you tell us a bit more about the characters? Because we, we've seen quite a few characters, both the heroes and villains so far. Yeah, that's probably the fun thing about Magical Girl Defense Force is, in a sense, it is kind of like some big epic superhero world like marvel or dc but with magical girls instead of superheroes you have mm. this very diverse cast of magical girls who all come from these different backgrounds and all have these different uh, origins and powers and while they are different they all kind of maintain that same 
aesthetic and more importantly just that mentality of heroism and kindness that magical girls exude and that never changes with them even as the story kind of goes into the logistics of having them in the modern world everyone knows what they're doing and how they can still maintain the core aspects of a magical girl despite some of the unfortunate now sort of rigid and militaristic aspects to their duties now hmm. and you can just see that and just the difference in the characters like the main character janice jones aka spooky guardian janice she's uh this very socially awkward tough but also vulnerable uh goth themed magical girl there's a lot of mysteries to her a lot that i can't really get into without spoiling some things sure <laughs> but uh there's a lot more to her than what you see in the first volume but she's very much this vulnerable but approachable girl like for a lot of things about her is she's kind of a play on the dark magical girl trope but in the sense that while she comes off as fierce and spooky and just kind of intimidating She's actually just one giant dork who wants to make friends. <laughs> I see. And then, you know, like on the opposite end of that spectrum is her first friend, uh, Maria, a.k.a. Cutie Axolotl, who's this uh, Latina magical girl who at the beginning of the story is kind of the opposite of her. She, she's very approachable, friendly, kind, but not a very capable magical girl in the sense of fighting yet a lot of her story is just her self-doubt and some worries that she wasn't ready for this life even though she kind of plunged herself headfirst into it and she has a very traditional hero's journey in that sense with a few more twists and turns along the way but even though she has a lot of self-doubt she's still this very plucky kind and somewhat ditzy girl who's really excited to have a friend as cool and uh, confident as Janice. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see some archetypes in both of these characters. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> Looking forward to getting to know them a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of other awesome characters. Some that sadly didn't really show up a whole lot in the previews, hmm. like Black Spear Maiden, who's like one of the ace students at the Academy, if a bit of a delinquent. Or Magical Princess Knight Seltia, who's one of the top tier magical girls and sort of a big sister to all of the other ones. And one of my favorite characters, as far as the supporting characters, is uh, Commander Suzuki, who... I'll just be upfront, is basically Sailor Mercury grown up. <laughs> <laughs> There's no real getting around that she and really her whole former Magical Girl group were basically a homage to the Sailor Scouts. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and it's very interesting to have just this mature woman who once lived this life as all the others. She knows what happened. And like, she was a magical girl before they were all organized, before they had this this defense force, basically, to support them and 
help them actually live somewhat normal lives in between fighting all these monsters. You know, she was in the era when they fought in secret and nobody really knew what they were doing. And she has a lot of mental scars from those days. And she wants to ensure that nobody under her care has to deal with the same things she and her friends did. So I'm very excited to do more with her, both in volume one and future volumes. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah, her character also seems very uh, serious and, but also caring. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, in general, the characters are all very exciting and very interesting to see in action. <laughs> yeah. So, in terms of the, the full story, ideally, how long do you think this is going to end up being? Well, that depends on a lot of factors. Like, everyone kind of wishes they could get a full Naruto <laughs> run, but <laughs> ideally, I could see this going five volumes worth, but with room for future stories. Mm. It very much depends on how far we can go. Like, I'll be honest, I was just floored that we even uh, got this one funded. There was this constant fears that I tried to go too big too soon. But uh, let's just say I love a lot of people on my Kickstarter right now. <laughs> yeah, it's really great to see that you guys got fully funded. Uh, you had over 200 backers. It's really nice to see like people come together. I think even like right away, I wasn't familiar with blue turtle comics or anything and even though i do know uh calorie bird i didn't know that like she was involved in this project or anything but like i saw this like kind of going around in different circles and stuff like oh there's this new kickstarter we should uh, check it out or whatever and like so it was really cool to see the kind of magical girl loving community come together so quickly to get this funded for everyone because yeah we want to see more magical content all the time i think <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Like, you know, just a lot of people came out of the woodwork just to help get the word out about this. Because when you're an indie comics person, you have to be just constantly selling yourself just up to the point before you start getting annoying, basically. And <laughs> it was just like, especially just from the Magical Girl loving community, it was just a crazy outpouring of support. Like, I put it like this, I constantly try to promote my stuff on Reddit, and if you know anything about Reddit, it has a very, very vitriolic anti-self-promotion kick with its subs, hmm. and I never got that from the Magical Girl subreddit. They were like, ooh, this is awesome, tell us more, and they were a huge boost to my confidence about uh, getting this book made. And it's just been crazy to really just see how many fans of Magical Girls there are out there. Yeah, definitely. I've uh, also interacted with that subreddit and it's been a generally pretty positive experience there. I think, I mean, every fandom has some bad apples, but like, I think that when it comes to magical girls and everyone can just agree that like magical girls are great and we always want more of them. I think um, you can really see like the community come together in really fantastic ways sometimes. So yeah. Totally. 
Great. So how did this, like working on this project, aside from it being a Kickstarter, differ from working on your previous stories? Well, for one thing, this is my first time really working on a full graphic novel. So there's a lot of differences between working on that and just a single issue. Hmm. You have to think of a lot of logistics way ahead of time. And most importantly, in the sense that each page is costing me money, I needed to figure out just where I needed to cut. Because like I said, my original draft of Volume 1 was just this seven-chapter epic. And just Laura just flat out had to tell me, this isn't going to work. Either you're going to have to spend another year so funding enough chapters before you go to Kickstarter, or you gotta cut it down even more, because going to Kickstarter just for the two chapters we needed funding for was kind of a huge ask in typical levels of Kickstarterdom, like my area. So, a lot of stuff about Volume 1 had to basically be jettisoned for Volume 2, and I'm kind of sad, but also just thankful for that hard decision. Though I feel bad because a lot of it involved cutie axolotl, so let's just say mm-hmm. I'm going to have to make it up to that character in Volume 2. <laughs> but overall, we were able to tell a very solid, basic opening volume. Like, if this was an opening volume of a brand new Shonen Jump manga or something, like, it tells what it needs to tell... There's more than a few twists and mysteries left to keep people interested, and it has a solid beginning, middle, and end. So that's probably been the biggest difference is of all of my projects, this one had the most. You need to micromanage what you can afford to tell versus what you want to tell in it. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Now, who would you say is the target audience for Defense Force? Well, I would say teenagers to young adults. uh, Like, the best way I could describe the tone of Magical Girl Defense Force would be a slightly less violent and also very, very less... uh, fan service version of the Simple Gear series, if you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very high-concept action, but also mixed with very cheery and loving slice-of-life moments between the characters. And while it can get potentially a little dark, possibly in future volumes, I would say nothing here goes to any adult levels, I'd say. There's not going to be gratuitous uncomfortable fan service of the characters. I mean, most of them are underage, so, you know, that's a bit of a hell no for me. Uh, Excuse me. And the violence, while it can get a little, I would say about to, like, a shonen jump level, it's nothing like nobody's heads are getting cut (laughs) off. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I would say just young adults, both boys and girls, there's enough action there for the guys, and then there's just enough emotional characterization for the girls, but the important aspect is those are both intertwined so both sides can get a taste of each one because I kind of want that same experience for the male readers like I did watching Sailor Moon back in the day where it just awakens me in that 
okay, yeah, the action and all that's cool, but I'm actually invested in these characters' lives. I want to see them happy and just have fun and also maybe find love or something other than just, heck yeah, punch that monster. <laughs> Great. So I think that's about all of the questions I had. Was there anything else you wanted to tell listeners or uh, potential readers? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just end on what our plans are now that we're funded. Uh, outside of just getting the book made, we're currently looking at options just to make sure it's not that long a wait for backers and other people who are interested in reading the books. So right now, our main plan is uh, once the Kickstarter has fully wrapped up and we have the funding, we're going to release the chapters monthly digitally to backers first, hmm. and then eventually release the book in a web format publicly up until it's time to actually get the book printed. Right now, we're, I'm in talks with my team about how we should approach that either as a traditional webcomic or return to the webtoon format now that we have that buffer we lacked back in the day. But whatever format it happens, right now our major plan is monthly digital releases to the backers, just so they're not waiting that long, and then eventually it will be released to the public digitally. Great, great. Yeah, thank you, Skyler, for coming on the podcast to talk about Magical Girl Defense Force. Where can people find you and follow you online, and how can people uh, find out more about the comic, or I guess follow along for news updates? The best place to follow us would be on Twitter at BT underscore comics that's where we're the most active as far as updates so we're also on instagram under blue turtle comics and facebook under blue turtle comics twitter will be your best bet for very frequent updates especially about when we make a decision about the digital release of the comic hmm great those things will be in the the show notes um yeah <laughs> so i guess finally i wanted to ask you have you ever created a magical persona for yourself yeah i did a couple of times back when i was just going through a lot of different ideas i kind of thought about what would i be like as a magical girl and it didn't end well. Let's just say when I had those ideas, I was a cringy edgelord teenager, and I'd rather not think back on those days. <laughs> there was nothing wrong about it, but there was a lot wrong to me about it. Hmm. And just the concept of it, it, not in any offensive way, just sort of the oh my god, I can't believe I thought like that, you know, post Chunibyo stage. Oh, okay. I see. I see. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that kind of situation. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, thank you again for coming on, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you have a nice evening, and uh, expect more Magical Girl Defense Force in the future. Great. We will. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. 
Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlIU, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at IUSheKnows, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparklesideChats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from by filling out the form in the show notes. You can also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. You can also find that link in the show notes. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fee.com slash You can also support me directly as an artist there. I do commissions and also sell prints on imprint. Another way to support us one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wishlist. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the you section as we are not picky here. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical. Are magical.